0: What a powerful testimony, but is it true? Is it well with your soul today? Is it well with your soul? Are your eyes cast upon Him? You know, one of the things that that I think I believe, uh, life is good. I do believe life is a gift from God but i've also come to understand and to believe that life is hard and and life can be extremely difficult at times life can be tragic life can be full of hurt but life is good where do you go When life just seems to be tough and hard where do you go when life is challenging and frustrating where do you go when it feels like the enemies are all around how do you deal with those times is there a is there a place is there a person is there Is there relief in your life? Today we talk about the streams for the weary. a stream for the hurting. The dying. A place of hope, of peace, of comfort. You see, we all, each one of us, need to know where the Stream of life for the weary is because we will all face those days. Do you remember? It's been gosh, has it been fourteen months or so? It seemed like the end of last year, uh, August, September, even into October. Do you remember the, the the hysteria? Do you remember the the panic that was taking place over our country? Do you remember? Well, it's one thing when when viruses and when diseases are happening on the other side of the ocean, right? And certainly as the news of the Ebola virus spreading through Africa and, and, and the thousands of people that were being killed by it, we were concerned, we were, we were scared, we were compassionate, we reached out to help. But it was a whole other story when that first case of Ebola was... Diagnosed and shared in Dallas, Texas, three hours away. It got our attention, didn't it? And there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of anxiety. There was quarantining. There were people, as you were headed into Dallas, making sure you had your, your antiseptic, make sure you had your mask on. It, it was frightening. A generation ago, maybe not technically 40 years, but a while back, there was another hysteria, another panic that swept through this nation from the HIV virus. It was a time where there was a lot of fear. A time where there was a lot of unknown A time where there was accusation, confusion, where there was judgment that was being cast. It was a time in which there were a lot of walls that were being built up. And the truth is, a lot of those walls are being built up in churches in our nation. It was a difficult time. And out of that time, Tony Campolo tells this story of an urban pastor who was just kind of taking care of business. He was a faithful pastor. He was a good, fat pastor. He'd been invested in in incarnational ministry in this urban area of our nation. And he received a phone call one day. A phone call from a local undertaker from a local funeral home. And they said, there's a, a young man who has recently passed away and we can't find a pastor to do his funeral service. Would you be willing? And as the pastor asked some questions, he, he learned that this young man had died from the HIV virus. And that there was enough fear and there was enough concern and confusion that, that everyone had, had kind of drawn away and, and he'd been isolated in these last days and, and, and months of life. And no one would be willing to do his funeral. So this pastor said, I'll I'll do it. And they really didn't know who would show up for the funeral. But sure enough, on that morning, about 30 other young men showed up. And he could tell when they came into the service that they they, they were dejected. They were down. They refused to make eye contact with this pastor. And so they gathered, probably a lot like this sanctuary, in, in kind of the front area, and the casket was here. And, and the pastor began to, to share and began to, to read scripture and share his thoughts. And he said, during the entire time of this funeral service, not one head looked up at him, not, not one glance. And he said, he could just see the, the hurt and the, and the pain and the rejection and the judgment that these men had experienced especially towards and from guys like him. So they tr- transitioned on out to the cemetery and, and they had the graveside service and, and the, the pastor said he felt a little awkward, but he was through. And so at the conclusion of the final amen, he began to walk off. And as he did, he noticed that none of these men were moving. They, they just were sitting there. Quiet, somber, grieving. And the pastor knew that he needed to do something and he, he couldn't just walk away. And so he stopped and he kind of came back towards them and he said, hey guys, is there anything I can do for you? And finally, one of the young men looked up at him and said, pastor, you know, when I go to things like this, They read the 23rd Psalm. And you didn't read the 23rd Psalm today. Would would you read that for us? And so the pastor took his Bible and he began to read, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And as that pastor finished reading that scripture, he he looked up from his Bible and he began to see the brows and the Faces of the men before him. And one by one they begin to say, you know, Pastor, there, there's a, a passage in Scripture that, that talks about this. And, and there's one that talks about this. Can, can you read those? And, and over those next minutes, to this broken, grieving, confused, rejected, judged men... This pastor began reading scriptures. And the living word, the good shepherd, began to minister and bring healing and hope into their lives. Where do you go? Where do you go when life is difficult, when life is hard? Where do you find comfort? Where do you find those streams that bring refreshment and renewal in your life? The 23rd Psalms is one of those places where men and women have gone for generations. Some suggest that the 23rd Psalm is upwards of 3,000 years old. For hundreds of years of years for centuries this psalm has been read by God's people to bring comfort in times of weariness so let's take a few moments this morning and let's let's reflect on this beautiful poem this beautiful piece of literature this beautiful passage that opens up to us a revelation about who God is. That God is not some distant, uncaring, uninvolved deity that may choose to manipulate or play or tease His creation. That God is not some distant God that that watches from the, the, the distant planets his creation here on earth. But know the marvel and beauty of this 23rd Psalm is that there is a God and He is a shepherd. And this shepherd is a good shepherd. We've got some children here. I want you to, to take your, your hand. Everyone can do this. Everybody, show me your, show me your hands. I want you to, to begin to read and to memorize this verse. And take your pinky or your thumb, whichever way you want to start, and say, the Lord is my shepherd. Ready? The Lord is my shepherd. I want you to just remember that truth. And let your hand help you to do that. The Lord is my shepherd. And the psalmist continues, and because the Lord is my shepherd, guess what? I shall not want. I shall not want in this consumer driven society. And we are getting ready to get into Christmas, right? And every time we turn on the TV, we're going to see what we really need. And we're going to say, oh, if I just had that, I want this and I want that. And the 23rd Psalm says, you know what? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd and the good shepherd. He knows what I need. The Good Shepherd provides. The Good Shepherd leads. And when I'm in communication, when I'm in fellowship with this Good Shepherd, guess what? I don't have any needs. I don't have any wants. Why? Because the Good Shepherd is going to take care of that. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. There is no lack when the shepherd is present. In fact, every area of life is an area of concern for the shepherd. And the shepherd invests and interacts with us in each and every area. Again, life is a gift, but life is difficult. Life can be dangerous. All of us need a shepherd. All of us need a good shepherd. So let's continue to look through this, this beautiful passage and see what the work of the shepherd is. First of all, we'll notice that the work of the shepherd is restoration. He says, "The shepherd makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Oh,, do you, are you in that season of life where life is difficult, where it's, it's hard, where, where there's enemies about, where you're just exhausted? Oh, what you would give for an afternoon, maybe even literally, (laughs) if not spiritually, in green pastures, along quiet and still waters. Not waters that are are rushing by so fast that, that, that you could lose your balance, you could be swept away. And certainly not waters that are so still that they're stagnant and full of all kinds of yuck. But we're talking about still waters. We're we're talking about quiet waters that are refreshing and cool and gently moving along so that you can be refreshed and renewed. Oh, that you could just find time to, to rest and to relax in those green pastures. How many of us Experience life at a at a hundred miles an hour. And the only rest we get is when we break down and we find ourselves in a sick bed or in a hospital bed. That's that's not God's intent. That's not the shepherd's intent. The shepherd's intent is not emergency care. The shepherd's intent is that we would find those moments of quiet, green pastures and still waters to be renewed. And and he says it here in this in this passage. To be restored. Oh, that we would listen to the voice of the shepherd and say, Oh, wait, it's time. You just need to get away. You need to, you need to come with me. And you need to, to lie in these green pastures and, and just rest. And be refreshed and be nourished. And oh, come and drink from some of these still waters. God puts these seasons into our life of of Sabbath, seasons of rest, seasons of laying in those green pastures. Are you taking advantage of those? Are Are you allowing the shepherd to call you into those places so that your tired and weary soul and body can be restored and renewed? This is part of the work of the good shepherd. Another aspect of the work of the good shepherd is guidance. He guides me in the paths of righteousness. Now now on the other end, for those of us that that don't spend enough time in the the green pastures and the still waters, there's the other side of that 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 reminds us that life is not lived in the green pastures and beside the still waters. We are called into the pathways of life, the journeys of life with family, with friends, with, with vocation, with our work, with just in living life. And as we travel that journey, the promise of the Good Shepherd is that that I'll guide you. I'll guide you according to to, to my righteousness. I'll guide you according to my goodness. Have you experienced that leadership, that direction from the Good Shepherd? As He takes us from the green pastures and the the still waters and begins to, to lead us as we trust in Him, as we follow Him along the paths of righteousness, the paths of the life, of the business, of the relationships that we share in this place. The Good Shepherd is a guide. The Good Shepherd is also a comforting presence. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have a need to fear evil. Why? Because the Good Shepherd, the Shepherd is with us. And He carries with Him a a rod and a staff to protect us to protect us from the enemy, but also to protect us from ourselves. To pull us back closer to His own embrace, His own presence. The Spirit of God is that comforting presence. It's interesting that Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as comforter in our lives. The Good Shepherd walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death, through those difficult times, through those seasons of death, through those seasons of of battle, through those seasons of heartache and of struggle. We don't have to fear even in the midst of those hard times because we know the shepherd is with us. The shepherd is there to comfort us and to protect us even as we travel the dangerous valleys, and pathways of life. Do you know this Good Shepherd? This Good Shepherd who restores, who guides, who is simply a comforting presence in our lives. Notice as we continue on in verse 5 how how this metaphor begins to shift. It's as if David has has explored the extent of this idea of good shepherd and and his eyes are going and that he needs some additional help to help us to understand as we explore what it means that the Lord is a good shepherd. And he picks up on this new idea, this new thought. The Lord is host. Look at verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It's part of the work of the host, right? Part of the work of the host is to, to prepare that banquet, is to prepare that that meal for us. And what the Lord says, what the Good Shepherd says is that, that that I'm this host that even in the midst of your enemies, even in the midst of your difficulties, I'm providing a place of sanctuary, a place of peace, a place of rest, A place where you can come in and be nourished physically, spiritually, emotionally. In the presence of mine enemies, come and be seated. Come and be enriched. You've anointed my head with oil in the midst of that. The, the enemies are all around. The, the struggles of life are all around me. But in this moment, in this moment as you come into sanctuary, as you come into green pastures and still waters, in this moment, allow me to anoint your head allow, with, with oil. Allow me to celebrate God's presence in your life. That, that you are unique. You're special. You're, you're set apart. Allow me to anoint you. And the psalmist's only response was My cup overflows. In the presence of my enemies, in the, the presence of the struggles of life, look around you. Look, look at this banquet that's been prepared. Look at, look at the blessing. My cup overflows. My cup overflows. But again, life is not to be lived in the sanctuary of the banquet table. Guess what? We are called to go out at some point and to live among the enemies. To work and to experience life amongst the conflicts of life. The difficulties of life and family and of relationship. We're called to to walk that journey as well. But look at the promise of the host. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all days of my life. We are promised as we leave this, this sanctuary, the Good Shepherd goes with us, but we're promised that we will continue in His steadfast love. We will continue in covenant with the host. This word steadfast love is the the covenantal love of of Israel, uh, uh, of God's people with Yahweh. And you see the promise even as you take and continue life outside of the banquet table. Even as you move beyond the quiet waters and the green pastures, know that goodness and loving kindness will follow you. In this life. In this life as well. And yes, one day as we look into eternity, one day as we look into forever, certainly goodness and loving kindness will follow you. But don't forget that even in the midst of the valleys today, even in the midst of the enemies today, goodness and loving kindness follow you. Yes, we still have to face our enemies. But we do so with the great and Good Shepherd and the Great Host. The Lord is host. The Lord is Good Shepherd. He is present in our weariness to bring streams of life. But this is not the end of the story. As we turn the pages into the New Testament, we discover that the Good Shepherd has a name. The Good Shepherd's name is Jesus. Turn with me to John 10. One of the, the powerful... I am statements that John introduces us to about the nature and character of Jesus. Now remember, the, 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 the people, the Hebrew people of Jesus' time would have been very familiar with the Good Shepherd. Jesus would have known Psalm 23. He wouldn't have called it Psalm 23. He would have known it, though. And so when he says, I am the good shepherd, he is making a statement, a declaration. He is revealing to the people about who he is and about his life and about his role. And it was very offensive to the religious leaders of the day. Yet nonetheless, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Now notice two things that Jesus said he wasn't. He's not the thief. In John 10, the scripture says that there is a thief, and this thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. It seems to me that the thief comes to do the exact opposite of what the good shepherd comes to do. And so Jesus is quite clear in saying, you know what? There is a thief out there. There is an enemy out there whose purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's not me, I'm the good shepherd. And how often do we become confused in, in, in our own grief, in the, in the tragedies of life, where we say, I can't believe God did that. I can't believe God caused this. I can't believe that I prayed and, and, and God didn't answer my prayers. And we need to be reminded that in this place, in this world, there is an enemy and his job, his purpose, his work is to steal and to kill and to destroy. But even in the midst of that, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Now, as we continue to read in John 10, we see that Jesus is not something else. That Jesus is not the hired hand. The hireling was, was one who was hired to take care of, uh, of sheep. And when times got difficult, when the <clears throat> when the bit bad wolf showed up, guess what? The hirelings left. <laughs> Because they didn't want anything to do with it. They, they left the sheep on their own. They, they were merciless in the way they would just leave the sheep helpless. Jesus is not a hireling. Jesus is the Good Shepherd who comes and in the midst of our troubles and our struggles, He, he doesn't leave us and forsake us. He walks with us because He loves us and cares for us. Jesus is the Good Shepherd. He's not the hireling. He's not the thief. And as Good Shepherd, He comes to provide abundant life. As the Good Shepherd, He comes to die for the sheep. Now in the Old Testament, the shepherd, part of His work was to kill the sheep, right? That was part of the shepherd's work in in making sure there was was meat and different things and making sure there was the wool and those kind of things. That was part of the shepherd's job. But you know what? In the New Testament, guess what? The shepherd dies for the sheep. This is the good shepherd that Jesus is. He says, I come that you would have life and I come to give my life for you. I'm not a hireling. I give everything that I am to you Jesus says that he knows the sheep he knows you he he knows your name he knows what you like what you dislike Jesus is the good shepherd that loves the sheep the scripture tells us that he calls the sheep he calls the sheep I believe by name and listen to this the sheep know his voice any of you that have pets, any of you that have worked with livestock before, you know that when the master comes, when the the shepherd comes, when the rancher comes and, and calls the names of the sheep or the cattle, that guess what? They come. Why? Because they recognize the voice. Do you know the shepherd's voice? Can you hear His voice calling for you and you hear Him calling your name quietly, yet consistently, lovingly. Do you know Jesus? Do you know this good shepherd? One of the worst news that we can get today is the diagnosis of cancer. Depending upon which stage of cancer that we discover that that we might have cancer. It depends on how we would react or what kind of treatments we would be able to seek. There's the story of a mother whose son became ill. By the time they got the son to the doctor and they were able to make the diagnosis of cancer, the cancer had spread and and it was really a a terminal diagnosis. And so as that family began to go through that journey with this, this young boy, they began to reflect on their spiritual roots and the mother began to teach her young son the 23rd psalm and the way she began to teach her son the 23rd psalm was she said take your hand and she said the lord the lord is my shepherd and she began to teach her son that he would provide those green pastures still waters. And that even as they walked through the valley of the shadow of death, that he would be with them. That he would be with him forever and forever. And she said, now son, when you say the the Lord is my shepherd, when you get to the word my, take your other hand and just wrap your hand around that fourth finger. And she said, I want you, every time you say, the Lord is my shepherd, I want you to grab a hold of that finger, and I want you to be reminded that He's your shepherd, and that He is with you. That He'll always be with you, to comfort you, and to love you. And so as the weeks and the months went on, they began to grow and being able to share and to repeat and to recite and to pray this 23rd Psalm. Well, that morning came mom went in to wake her son up and he'd passed that night. And she looked down at him. And he had his hand wrapped around his fourth finger. And that's how he died. A young boy, struggling, dying with cancer, found peace and hope because the Lord was his shepherd And he knew that he would not want. Have you discovered the goodness of this shepherd? Have you discovered Jesus Christ? Do you know him? Have you been led into those green pastures and quiet waters? Has your soul been restored? Have you found sanctuary among the enemies? Do you have the promise of goodness and loving kindness? today and forever. Let's pray.